Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast. This is a show where we talk about anything and, any, anything and everything relating to what it means to be a prepared individual and a survivalist in today's day and age, today's society, today's community, all of those things. Um, back on the show with me today, we have Jamie Franks. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Good morning. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. You That's are the Terminator. resistance. It is. Which Terminator is it we'll leave that in the in the question was that was that in the first one did he say that no no that was in the one that was um with christian bale yeah which a lot of people didn't like that one and i really did like that one yeah that was that that was that was weird that was a weird one i didn't hate it but it uh i don't know man those those movies they just they, they again like everything they start out so good Predator, alien, aliens, and then they lose it. Well, yeah, and but not trying to get way too far off topic, way too early <laughs> in the show. But um, there, I guess there's a they made a. I'm gonna say new because it, it was new to me um, just a few months ago. Uh, one of my friends told me about it. It's a new Predator movie that was like only released on Hulu, and it is Dude, it's legit. The, it is it so is, good. It is the second best predator movie and i'm gonna say i'm gonna say with a close chance of beating the first one yeah it's it it is so good it was i've watched it like four times it's that good it is so good yeah it was called prey um only released on hulu um thank you because i could not pull the name of it out yep ties into predator 2 with danny glover with the whole yeah Pistol that is given although there is some there is some continuity questions that came up afterwards but such a great movie. Um, I think it actually had an American Indian, female American Indian director um, who directed it and want, and they wanted it to be as, you know, as authentic, I guess, as it could be with that side of the things, with the culture and whatnot. So yeah. um, definitely, if you haven't seen Prey, it's still on Hulu. Go watch it. But back to uh, back to the show. Good morning in your world. Good afternoon in mine. Um, I know you had a late night flying uh, hovercrafts, and I've had a busy yep. morning picking out what shirt I was going to wear for this show. <laughs> so, um, and you know, when I when I reached out to you um, about this week's episode, I know we had we had one on kind of on the hopper, and I was like, you know, I think we should probably change gears. Um, and kind of discuss a little bit uh, more of something that's pertinent in today's news right now. Um, and that is, um, what does it take to be prepared for a natural disaster? Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, I'm sure everybody is aware of, of what just happened out in, in Maui. Um, I have a good friend of mine who lives on Oahu, uh, and obviously everyone reached out to him, and it's it's, it's two different countries in their mind, right? I mean, it's not, Hawaii is a string of islands and, you know, Maui is one island, Oahu's another and uh, fire's not jumping over the ocean. So he's, he's good. But, um, you know, when we started to look into this, obviously, I, I think I, your first re- initial reaction was, you know, I'm not really tracking as much on it. And I said, well, I, you know, I've, I've tracked a little bit, but, you know, I think it's something that we should kind of talk about. And I think you kind of saw the, the, the potential of the show. So here we are. Um, yes, there's, there's actually lots of good takeaways. And um, one of the things I always talk about uh, when I teach shooting 
um, is when we talk about the four universal firearms weapon safety rules, or you know, really five, or right. depending on who you ask. But um, one of them is keep the weapon on safe until you're ready to fire. And then people say that one of the other, the way other people say it is keep your finger straight and off the trigger until you're ready to fire. Um, I always point out that that's, in my opinion, is not really correct, that uh, it's keep the weapon on safe until you're ready to fire and then keep your finger straight and off the trigger until you intend to fire because you can be ready to shoot without intending to fire. And I always give the example of when I was in Afghanistan, as soon as I would step out of the truck and my boots hit the dirt, my weapon went off safe. That was because I was ready to fire, but I didn't see a bad guy yet necessarily. So I didn't have my finger on the trigger because I did not intend to fire. So uh, you just talked about um, disaster or natural, natural disaster emergency preparedness. And, and as I was thinking about that for the show, I kind of was thinking about it in the terms of being ready to fire and intending to fire because um, you can be prepared all day long, but when I hear the word preparedness, that's like, that's you, I mean, you know, as the name implies, that's you making preparations, but kind of on your own terms. It's, right. it's, you're preparing based on what your perception of this possible emergency could be or what could possibly pose a threat. So, like, I kind of made all my show notes about readiness. Like, you can be prepared all day long and you can have a, a, case of bottled water under your bed and some you know spare batteries and a flashlight and and tell yourself that you're prepared but when you wake up in the middle of the night with no warning and literally the entire world is on fire right are you ready are you ready because you know you you can have all these prepared supplies you know the first three words are pre um but you know the danger is here now are are you ready for that right so, uh, like i i wanted to kind of make the distinction between readiness and and preparedness and th- and that's a great point and you know so so kind of taking this back to that 30,000 foot view first to determine you know what does that look like what does that what does that include right i mean obviously you know you have hurricanes and with hurricanes they literally have them listed out and named and mapped way in advance, right? Tornadoes, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a weather tracking system that tracks the predictability here. Um, so natural disasters, let's just call them out, right? Hurricanes, yep. tornadoes, um, tsunamis. Um, snow and, and ice. Snow, snow and ice, yeah, avalanches. Um, and I, and I guess wildfires, um, out of those, I think the one that you can probably get the least amount of forewarning is a wildfire. Yeah. uh, Um, you know, wildfire and I would say maybe earthquake. Oh, earthquake. That's the other one. Sorry. But, um, but yeah, like there's, and, and, but aren't they even, they're even monitoring the fault lines. They're monitoring that. I mean, they can't predict when they're about to happen, but they, I, and I guess I'd have to do a little bit of research to find out what is the most devastating of those that we just kind of put out there. Well, um, I was actually uh, listening to, to a thing the other day um, and like, you know, what in terms of, of natural events, like, sure. like, you know, weather events or whatever, uh, 
the highest number of people die every year from cold. You know, there's all this stuff sure. about global warming and we have to reduce the our carbon footprint because the earth is getting too warm. But, um, you know, on a worldwide basis and, and in the United States, um, far more people die from cold every year than from any anything else that's that's weather related or natural uh, disaster related. So. OK, so so now that we've kind of identified what they are, um, you know, I, I think some of those basically have some geographic areas where they're focused. Right. I mean, you, you know, you're not really dealing with a hurricane in Ohio. I, I mean, I live. I live seven miles from the ocean and I right. don't have to worry about hurricanes. Right. So. But the East Coast. Yeah, has to worry about the hurricanes. Uh, yep, that's if, where I grew up. If you live in northern Texas, Oklahoma, that area, there's literally it's called Tornado Alley. You, yep, you know what you're dealing with out there. Um, you know, I, I guess it. Well, California. You live in California. You got the San Andreas Fault Line. You know that you may be potentially victim to, uh, you know, to to an earthquake. Short of that. The fire that out, just broke it. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say out here, I, I would say like in Southern California, our, our two most, um, the two natural disasters that I think we're most likely to, to see and that one should prepare for would be uh, wildfire number one and earthquake number two. Yeah. Um, and like I talk and the, to my point earlier about the most people dying from cold is like, that is something that's very predictable. Sure. You know when there's a cold front coming. Oh, yeah. You know when summer's over and winter's <laughs> coming. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, uh, five months from now in certain parts of the country, it's going to be really cold. Yeah. Uh, so we know that now. But even though that's something that we're able to predict in advance, it's still the thing that kills the most people. So um, short notice isn't necessarily always the the factor, but um, but it definitely plays a factor. But this is something uh, like on my YouTube channel. Um, it's one of my most watched videos about my little survival kit bag. And that's one of the points that I make right. is like, um, you don't need to copy my survival kit bag because you need to identify what is your biggest, you know, threats to, uh, to wherever it is that you live. I mean, like I said, I grew up in, on the East coast, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, but I uh, grew up about, um, I think we were maybe, maybe like a hundred, like a hundred, 140 miles or so from the coast. And I mean, you know, Hurricanes were were an issue every year, and tornadoes were an issue every year. But now I live here, and those are not issues that I have to be concerned with anymore. But. Right, and and just going back to that point about hurricanes, you know, like everyone thinks Florida, and uh, I remember when I moved out of Florida, which was in 2013, yeah, and then 2014. Um, was our first annual uh, friend trip in, in uh, Rhode Island. I remember July 4th, there was a hurricane that had come all the way up the East Coast, and we were dealing with a hurricane party. Florida was, like, known for hurricane parties, and here we are having one yep. in Rhode Island. Um, I mean, remember about the, the remember the hurricane that smashed New York City? Yeah, yeah. D um, I actually, uh, I guess, I mean, it's because I'm, I've never been a— do you, is New York considered New England? I, I don't know, but I've never. Um, you know, I, I I would say so, but I, I guess I I couldn't even tell you. If New York City <laughs> no. is New York City is its my, own thing. <laughs> my, yeah, 
my first year in the Navy, I lived in Maine, but that's that's uh, okay. but I don't I lived there for not quite. I always say my first year in the Navy, but it actually wasn't quite a year. Um, but uh, other than that, I've never really lived in that area before. So the the hurricane that you're referencing, smashing New York, I remember what I remember on the news. I remembered it seeing like doing like tons of damage and stuff in New Jersey, actually. And yes. just because I'm not from that area, my brain didn't put New York and New Jersey immediately together. But yeah, I don't know if that was the same one that destroyed Seaside. Uh, you know, I, I again, you we could do an entire show on just <laughs> the actual hurricanes that have come up where this is just kind of a generalization, um, you know, to, to discuss what what does it mean? So so obviously, you know, we. We, we know that they're they're out there. Um, some you get warnings for, some you know are coming, like you just said about you know that it's going to be getting cold soon. Even with hurricanes, you know when hurricane season happens, it starts happening in probably right about now, August, and rolls through October down in... Yep. In uh, in the on the East Coast, so people are prepared for it. You can literally fly into Florida for super cheap right about now. Getting out is a little bit more uh, is is more of a pain in the ass. Um, but this is kind of more in line with being prepared. And 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 what we're going to talk about is is the situation that happened in Maui um, and how being prepared and being ready are probably very, very important to, to make sure that you differentiate between the two um, and are practicing both, I guess. Um, you know, I, can you practice being ready? Well, sure, I, I, I mean, you, you can. Um, you know, it's, you, you can practice anything, but um, it just reading a little bit more into what happened in Maui made this episode a lot more interesting to me because there were things that were, I don't know, kind of, kind of weird about it. Um, even when you and I were just, before we uh, decided to go live and, and hit record on this, we were talking about when, you know, doing the research, I literally typed it in and there was only one page on Google about this information. And it wasn't even a full page. And it was, it was like USA Today, CNN, CBS News, Washington Post, like there was nothing on the main page of Google like for Fox News. When I went on to Fox News, I'm looking on the entire front page, nothing, nothing there, which was yeah. also weird. I had to actually type it in in order to get something to populate. Um, and that kind of annoyed me, um, you know, like, okay, I don't really... I didn't go to Fox News at that point to see what Trump was saying about this person and what Biden was saying about that person. I went to go look at for, for actual news, like, you know, that's important. And it wasn't there. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, unfortunately, that's I think that's kind of where we are now, especially um, when you're looking at uh, what's like, you know, search engine optimization and stuff like that. Like when you search for yeah. something like that, it's immediately going to funnel you to the you know the mainstream media outlets and everything and the most of what i have seen and i i guess i didn't even really put two and two together until you and i started talking about it um most of the actual information and like photos and videos and like eyewitness accounts and stories and and um uh recovery efforts and and all that stuff like the vast majority of what i've seen is actually through social media and yes um i know like uh 
you have to be careful about what you read and and what the what you believe on social media and what you shouldn't believe on social media but i belong to a bunch of these like uh veterans groups and stuff like that on uh on social media and that's where i've seen like you know veterans that are contacting other veterans that are trying to to get things in motion and put things in motion and a lot of veterans get out of the military and then become uh ems or law enforcement or whatever um so most of what i've most of the good information that i've seen in in fairly real time has come from those like really specialized um and not even news outlets but those those specialized little uh uh what portals on social media sure um so it's it's it it is it's weird though that like they're calling this like they're saying this is one of the um deadliest natural disasters or deadliest wildfires and you know in 200 years or something like that and it's it's and it, not getting much coverage on right Right. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go, I guess, go into some of the details about it and then we can come back to some of the questions that we have. Um, so, uh, as of yesterday, they have confirmed that 99 people have died. Um, and as I think of, I just looked a minute ago and, and they had it, uh, I think it was like one Oh three or something that I just saw just five minutes ago, but yeah. Okay. And they said, but there's thousands of people that are still missing. Yeah, they're still missing. Yep. <clears throat> um, and then as of yesterday, that might've been updated. Only four of them have been identified. So that's, I mean, just kind of shows you the, the devastation of, of what that, what that, yeah. what fire does. Um, I'm sure that they will identify more once they get through this, but there's still so much left to do. Um, at first, they, they kind of said that the cause was still undetermined, but it's speculated that um, a downed wire from Hurricane Dora might have started the blaze. So, so it was kind of a, I don't want to say a perfect storm, but it, it was like a, a symphony of, of catastrophes that led them there. So you had the, the passing hurricane, and then you had the dry summer. And then I guess the, the last piece, which is the other really, really awkward piece, is that the warning sirens did not sound. Did you read that? Um, no, but like I'm always, this is kind of part of what I wrote down. Like, I, number one, like I, anytime that that's ever addressed by anybody, like I, I'm, I'm almost surprised that that we still like live in a time where like, I'm surprised there are even still warning sirens. Um, I know like in places like Hawaii, I, um, cause I, you know, I've spent being in the Navy, I've spent a little bit of time in Oahu. Um, so I know they have sirens, but I've, I've always had the, cause they, there's signs everywhere too. They're that they're mostly for uh, tsunami warning. Right. But, um, but like, this is one of the things I wrote down was um, that I wanted to talk about is, you know, we live in this age now where um, I think most people think that, you know, every inch of this planet has been explored and everything has been discovered and that we know everything there is to know about this world and everything has been mapped and we know everything and I can Google anything on, on my cell phone and, and tell you all about anything. And, um, with natural disaster it's like i don't need to worry about these sirens because i've got my cell phone and my laptop and my ipad and my wi-fi and this and that and my car has OnStar, and i've got like 
And so uh, a siren, something as basic as a siren that was probably, you know, an, an emergency alert system that was erected probably literally 100 years ago or some version of it. Right. Um, that technology um, has kind of fallen by the wayside when in this instance, that could have been the technology that saved a bunch of people's lives. And, and, and it's like not only have we, you know, in, in one aspect, we've kind of become a little too reliant on this new digital technology. Um, but I also think kind of going back to, uh, you know, everybody just is under the assumption that, that everything's been mapped and everything's been seen. Everybody is also under the assumption of like, Oh, look, there's a fire over there. Eh, I'm sure somebody has already called the fire department. So I don't need to. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of the things that we teach in, um, like medical first responder stuff, like EMT kind of stuff, is you don't just go, hey, somebody call 911. Because if you do that, nobody's going to call 911 because everybody will assume that everybody else did it and then nobody will do it. Right. Um, so you're supposed to say, Chris, you go call 911 and then come back and report back to me, you know, right. Uh, and tell and confirm that you did call 911. Um, but like you said, it was like I, I I hesitate to use the word perfect storm because I think it's like overused, but it was definitely a perfect recipe because um, there you go. I that's read that. That's a better. That's a better. I think that's a better uh, yeah. phrase for it. Good work. Good work. But uh, <laughs> thanks. <clears throat> but they uh, they said that regardless of how the fire started, like at the time when the fire started, there was like eighty five mile per hour winds that right. you know so. Uh, and then, like you said, like the the dry summer. And I mean, from my experiences in, in traveling to Hawaii, um, you know, over the course of, of many years, uh, of over the course of my entire career in the in the Navy, um, I even I would not have ever thought wildfire would would be something that you would really need to be concerned about in in Maui. I mean, the I've only been I've been to several different places in Hawaii. I've been to Maui only once, but. Uh, Wildfire was certainly not something I, I would have thought I needed to be concerned about. So, yeah. Um, it, well, what's you know, it's an island. I mean, so that that's, and what I'm and where I'm going with that is, I mean, that's a scary thing. Like, it, it, that's an island. If that, I don't know how big Maui is. I'm, I would love to find out what the actual mileage, and I'm sure it's it's huge yeah, like land but, area. Yeah, land area. Yes, land mass in totality. Um, if there's a fire that takes the state of Connecticut, you can drive to New York, Massachusetts. Yeah. You can drive out of it. People were literally jumping into the ocean to escape the fire. And now you have the next problem to deal with. Yeah. So now people Well, I are think the first thing is like, just like the, the first takeaway for me when I first started um, trying to dig up information on this is like, uh, the, the sirens were down, but um, also like in concert with the 85 mile per hour winds that were fueling the, the fire that was quickly spreading, um, that uh, power went down. So, you know, people that were relying on their phones or whatever, because I mean, it, it, to me, it's one of those things where like, uh, it's easy for me. I'm not saying that this happened or even that I heard that this happened. It's just easy for me to picture somebody sitting in their house and going, oh, look, there's a fire over there. Well, I haven't gotten anything on my phone, so it must be fine. Like, so to me, like, like the first one of the first things that I that I wrote down is don't assume that everything is fine. Right. Uh, 
Don't yeah. assume that, hey, there's a fire over there. I'm sure somebody else called it in. Or, hey, since my phone hasn't told me to be worried, I guess I don't need to be worried. Like, Right, which goes back to the, the episode that we talked about where what triggers activate your, your, your survival plan. Yeah. Right? So it, they, they pulled up their phone and, oh, okay, I can still scroll through Instagram Everything's fine. Everything must be fine. Yeah. fine. Now, what uh, what I did here is that um, uh, officials used cell phones and texts to get the word out, but there might have been outage, outages that um, have hindered it there, or that hindered its effectiveness. I yeah. also read that, and by the way, the, the, the fire started on August eighth, um, and we're. We're on the 16th. we're at the sixteenth, so I don't know. I haven't seen. I I saw that the report said that it was in the ninety percent percentile of being contained, but I have not looked again. Um, but the the other thing that I read is that there was um, officials of initially had given out the wrong information that the fire was under control, and again, I don't know how accurate that is, but that may also have caused some of this problem. So, you know, going back to being prepared and, and having a plan, I mean, I don't know if there's any officials from cities and towns that are listening or watching this, maybe do better. And, and so one of the one of the first hand accounts that I, I wanted to talk about that I that I was able to find um, was two uh, women like, uh, you know, if I dare call myself youngish, that like they were like two adult women, but you know, adult can mean 18 or it can mean 78, but uh, like right. two, like, you know, 30s to 40s age women that were on uh, vacation and uh, they, they had no warning. They had no nothing, which that's, that's something I want to circle back to as well. Um, j just a, a little dose of reality where that's concerned. Um, and they woke up, they, I guess they were staying in, uh, like an air, I, I, I couldn't tell if it was a hotel because there's pictures. I couldn't tell if it was a hotel or if like they were Airbnb in like an apartment complex or whatever. Yeah. But the, like the fire was like sweeping through as they woke up and they um, they were able to like quickly get dressed and it said they grabbed their electronics and then the only place that they could evacuate to was like kind of in the center of the complex yeah, was uh, a pool. Yep. And they jumped in the pool and they didn't have cell phone service and this again, based on things that we've talked about in the previous podcast that got my attention because it said that they were able to use the SOS function of their iPhone. And that immediately, like I've seen it a hundred times or way more than a hundred times. I've seen it a million times on my phone where I look and I don't have service, but it says SOS. SOS right. And I didn't actually know what that meant. Um, and I didn't really actually understand the function of that. But these two right. women uh, jumped in the pool to escape from the, the fire. Yep. Um, and they used the SOS function of their iPhones. Um, and so uh, my understanding, because I, I looked it up after that, is if you use the SOS function of your iPhone, even if you don't have cell cellular service or, or data connection, it will still connect you to um, like a local, like a uh, like the, the whatever local, municipality 911 system right and it will give them uh your location and uh and it, it what i looked up said it works in like many 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 uh like countries throughout the world like it like the examples of places where it doesn't work were like 
not even third, like fourth world countries and, and places where it doesn't <laughs> right. work. Right. Um, but like, then I was like, okay, well, how do I use it? And I guess like, you know, on an iPhone, you like the little side button on my iPhone here. Yep. Or if you like, I don't even know what iPhone I have. I think I have a 13 pro something, but like if you have the button up top or the one on the side, yep. um, you just tap it five times and then it comes up on the screen and uh, then you can activate the SOS function. And then um, I guess if you have an Android, uh, you should throw it away, throw it away and get an iPhone and then <laughs> tap the button five times. Um, Ooh, the comments, the comments. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that was a learning experience for me. And then, um, I actually, so like kind of going back to circling back around to readiness versus preparedness. Um, like I, I almost feel like it, it's like this loop because I, I took a lap around my little own personal loop today, because as I was thinking about this and putting myself in these people's shoes and like, what would I have done? What could I have done? How would I have reacted? You know, just using that one story of the, those putting myself in, in the same situation as those two women. Um, I'm a big proponent of like unplugging. Um, I try to limit myself on screen time. Um, I do not have a landline phone in my house. The last time I have had a landline phone was in like way back when I got married. Um, how long ago was that? 19 years ago. I'm, I'm not still married, but okay. um, when I got married, that was 19 years ago. And the first apartment I lived in with my wife, that's the last time I had a, uh, a landline phone. Um, I don't have cable um, all, like for TV, like all I, I pretty much just stream everything I watch through an Apple TV. Um, I don't have a landline phone uh, like up in my bedroom. I don't even have a TV in my bedroom. I don't even have a radio. I have a thing that looks like a radio, but it's actually just a Bluetooth speaker. So I can connect my phone to the Bluetooth speaker and play music that way. But it's not like an AM FM radio that's capable of receiving a transmission. And so like just today, just two hours ago, I was like, because at night my phone either goes off, my cell phone goes either off or it goes into do not disturb. Okay. I don't have a radio. I don't have a TV. I don't have a landline phone. So if there was a wildfire burning right out on the other side of my wall, how would I even know that? And so Maybe just not. this morning, yep. two hours ago, as I as this was a light bulb that just came on for me, I went on Amazon and I ordered this uh, Midland emergency broadcast radio that all, like all it does is receive the emergency broadcast system. So um, it's for uh, that's a good uh, idea. Yeah, for uh, it's for civil defense emergencies, weather emergencies, uh, NOAA emergencies, and and. Uh, uh, and it says like an and other emergency broadcast, but um, so uh, that that now would it, be here today, courtesy of Amazon. And beautiful, beautiful. Now, uh, is that is it is it battery powered or plug in or how does that it's work? It's both. It's it's, both. it's plug in with battery backup. Good, very good. All right. So, yeah. so Midland, huh? Midland emergency. It's uh yeah. Hey, if you give me one second, I can tell you. It's uh, if I was technologically sound, I could put the it's link a Midland WR120 emergency alert radio. There it is. Yeah. And you I guess uh, you program it uh, to your specific state and county. OK. And it just it's you mount it wherever or set it wherever. And it just lays dormant until there's an alert and then it gives you an alert. So. All right. Um, so this, this was a big hole in my own preparedness and readiness. Look and at that. Now I have. Yeah. Look at what the show is teaching. Oh. So so I that's a great point. I kind of want to just frame that up so everybody can kind of understand what what just happened there. Um Jamie who is self-proclaimed and then I I mean I know it as well is a very prepared and and 
and survivalist type person realized, you know, what was missing. And uh, I mean, that's a great piece of equipment. Now, could that have solved? uh, No, not solved. Could that have saved some people getting that information? I guess it comes down to where does that information come from? So, you know, it, it may not be foolproof. I, I would love to see it put to the test, but you know, if there were no sirens activated and there were no warnings, would that have gone off? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's all. This is completely speculation on my part, but I, I would guess and speculate that um, if the sirens didn't go off, it's because the sirens themselves maybe had lost electrical power. But yeah. wherever the whatever location they activate the sirens from, I would assume because they're saying the sirens didn't go off. I would assume uh, whatever location is in charge of activating those sirens. I, it, this, again, total assumption still had power, but the actual sirens themselves are what failed. So if that would be the case where this type of emergency radio device is concerned, I would assume that the emergency signal would be beamed out you know, using, uh, you know, radio waves, sure. uh, radio signal. Yeah. And because um, this radio has a, a backup power supply, even if I had lost, uh, you know, residential um, municipal power, the radio would still be powered by a battery, which would still be capable of receiving this radio signal, hopefully. Right. Um, so, so maybe. Yeah. But- so, I mean, again, it, is it, is it a hundred percent? No, but that's why you shake that gear out. You test it. I don't know that you you can actually test that because uh, obviously uh, it would have to be tested for you. But it's definitely something to to kind of research and to look into. And maybe there's some maybe there's some forums out there that that explain it better, or or there's other stuff out there. So just check check with whatever you I guess whatever you decide to do. Make sure you vet that process. But you know you don't wear a seatbelt because it will help. You wear a seatbelt because it might help. So. There you go. Um, so, but going back to you know that that perfect recipe that we we've mentioned twice now. Um, obviously, the dry summer, the strong winds, um, you know, from the passing hurricane, and then the other couple of pieces there that I took away is, I think that they they only had like eighty five firefighters. They they were uh, yeah, sh- and that's they were short staffed. Well, I mean, but like from the from my experience going to Maui, um, that doesn't even surprise. Like, what what surprises me is what you just said right now that that the number of eighty five firefighters is that's the number with them being short staffed. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if you had just told me that like that's just the number because um, yeah. Maui is like from from what I saw, um, it's largely um, resort driven. Like sure. Um, there's not much like, you know, you go to Oahu and like the city of Honolulu is there and the city of Honolulu isn't really all that different than the city of Dallas, Texas or the city of San Diego or the city of wherever. Um, but in Maui, it was very, very small townish. Like when you went, you know, quote unquote into town, um, it was a very small area that just, you know, with, um, uh, just kind of restaurants, bars, car rental places, sure. surfboard rental places, gift shops, um, uh, souvenir shops, things like that. But 
the, most of the island was, um, again, just from my narrow view and experience, most of the island was um, uh, just wilderness and 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 resort right. hotels that are kind of you know self-contained. So yeah. um, it, that it does not surprise me that they only had eighty-five firefighters. It it does surprise me that they're supposed to have more than that. I mean, it's, yeah. Now, I, don't quote me on that number. I there yeah. was a lot of information, and it, that number could be in relation to something else. But I, I do remember reading that they were short-staffed, um, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> probably equally as important. Um, is that when they got to the hydrants, there was little to no water. So hmm. the one thing that you have to fight the 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 fire, the resource is now diminished, reduced. Um, my God, like that that right there is, you know, uh, talk about preparedness, right? Again, yep. we go right back to it now. This is a city, a town, an island, a community with a government in place. Do they not check these things? Are they not? I mean, I know that, you know, the fire marshal comes into to my area to check to make sure I have fire extinguishers and to make sure that emergency lighting is working. Does the, 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 the city of Maui not have this? I don't understand. How do you yeah, go I to a fire? Now, okay, let me and let me just back that up. I don't understand, but also... I guess if it's a dry summer and there's a drought, then maybe that's the answer. But I mean, well, I mean, it's an the answer is whether the answer is yes or no on that. I mean, the the takeaway is that you can't you can't just assume that the government's going to save you, that the fire department is going to save you, that the police are going to save you. Like, I mean, this is this is yet another real world example of. Whether or not those policies existed or and are in place and are functioning as designed, it like this is just another uh, real world example that you, like you, even if it was working perfectly, you can't depend on it. Right, goes right back to what we've been saying all along. You are o your own first responder. Nobody's yep. coming to save you. Now, with that being said you're not going out and fighting a forest fire on your own. And I don't recommend anybody <laughs> to do that. I mean, if you, if there's a fire that breaks out in your house and you can get to a fire extinguisher and contain it, do what you can and knock it down, but also be smart enough to know when it's time. I'm going to, I'm going to quote that. We go back to our good advice thing from last week. I'm going to go back to my boy, Kenny. You got to know when to hold them, and know when to fold them. <laughs> and well, and, yeah, you can't fight a, a wildfire by yourself, but what you can do is learn how to swim. Because if you're in a wildfire in Maui and you're standing on a freaking boat dock and you don't know how to swim, so now your two choices are stand here and burn to death or jump in the water and drown. So now now I have to decide right. if I'm going to burn or drown. Yeah. Um, but what you can do is learn how to swim, learn how to float, learn how to, you know, right. that is something you can learn how to do. And then, yeah. Now, I, now you've given yourself more than two choices. I would go for the, I would go for the drowning. By the way, fire well, fire sounds. I don't bad. have to worry about that. So true. I I don't either. But here, <laughs> going back to the the whoever the, is listening, <laughs> I can assure you, out of all the tragedy that may befall me, my obituary will not be from drowning. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Unless you get knocked out and fall face first in a puddle, there is that. Mm. But going going back to coming. the. 
going, I didn't see that. Going back to the lack of water. I'm going I'm to scratch my head. Those listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I'm scratching my head. Watching on YouTube, you can see it. <laughs> There's an ocean. It's literally surrounding it. They couldn't. Like, there's not that in place. I don't know. I mean, maybe. But I'm that's just another one of those things that, like, I I don't know about. I mean, because uh, I'm from a place where all we have is fresh water. So, like, may, like that leads me to believe that there's something to do with the corrosive nature of salt water that you can't have your fire suppression firefighting system I mean, yeah. can't be charged it has to be fresh water so their capability to make fresh water or or, or however they generate the, the water pressure behind that fresh water maybe that went down but i know like on a navy ship which i can speak to um we're we are also surrounded by salt water but our firefighting system um it's we keep all the pipes uh, filled hold, with fresh hold, water. Hold on one second. You, you keep what? keep no keep going. Keep going. Go ahead. Oh, so uh, like all of our like our, our firefighting system, we call it our fire main system. The fire main system is filled and pressurized with fresh water, and that's what stays like sitting in the pipes is fresh water. And then in the event that a fire breaks out, uh, we'll use you know the, the water that's that's in the pipes, and then uh, and then we will pump salt water through it because we have a an infinite amount of of seawater. Um, but we do keep all the pipes just, uh, filled and, and pressurized with fresh water so that the system doesn't corrode. So, but it, when you're talking about a municipality in Maui and, and what they, I would imagine kind of the same thing comes into play, but I, I don't know. Right. Uh, but more importantly than, than the, the fire suppression system, do they not have, so we, we talk about having a plan and we talk about kind of having, you know, expect to, uh, create the plan, execute it and expect it to go off the rails. Is there not a contingency plan to say, OK, if the fire suppression system, the hydrants are empty, is there not big giant buckets that can be dipped into the ocean and and released on the fire? Yeah. And then and that that opens up this whole other thing that, again, that's like kind of a, a, a fail point or a. Yeah, a fail point, a weak point of government, because um, here, like uh, in uh, in two thousand and three, and then again in I think it was in two thousand thirteen. I think it was ten years later. Um, we had significant wildfires, like right here where I live. I mean, in in two thousand three, this whole area on the other side of this wall behind me um, was all on fire. It's all canyon land, and it was all on fire. And here in San Diego, just like in Hawaii. Um, we have a like right here in this local area, you know, almost literally a stone's throw away. We have crap tons of Navy personnel, Marine Corps personnel, Army personnel, and we have firefighting equipment. We have aircraft. We have firefighting clothing, helmets, air packs, gloves. Right. You know, all and and people and like. When I joined, when I first joined the Navy, when I wasn't trained to do anything else, the very first thing that I became highly trained to do was fight fire. 2003, 2013, we have a huge pool of healthy, strong, capable, and trained people on firefighting, and they would not let us help. And this is one of the things that was like, it's it's a little annoying. Um, 
it's a little annoying that the government for whatever whatever kind of government red tape is 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 blocking it that's annoying but it's also annoying that people are like why doesn't the military help um right i can tell you here in san diego when our own homes were in danger of burning down we wanted to help we were jumping up and down to help and the only thing they would let us do is if we wanted to because uh one of the evacuation sites was um like the san diego charger stadium um if we wanted to volunteer to go there and like pass out blankets and bottles of water to people that were evacuating to the stadium that was all they would let us do and it's like we are we're good at following orders we're you know all <laughs> in pretty decent shape we've all had maybe not wildland firefighting training but we've all had some firefighting training we have firefighting equipment we have just people we have aircraft we have like we have all this stuff we have all this equipment let us help and they just wouldn't let us help and so maui is is a hundred miles away from kind of the same thing from a a navy base air force base marine base army base is 100 miles away with all these people all these resources and for some it's for reasons that are unknown to me they're like they're not allowed to go help and it's uh so yeah you know uh, it's it is this perfect and hopefully you know you always hope maybe the one one of the things that will come out of this is that people will learn the lesson that we you know that will identify why weren't the why was there no firefighting water in the fire hydrants and why didn't they have portable pumps that you know that they could fire up and and pump water out of the ocean to to spray water and why you know why can't the military come and help at a moment's notice and you know but who knows yeah i can tell you if if a fire broke out here tomorrow they still wouldn't let us help and that was that's amazing that's wild 20 years ago yeah it's insane it's insane but you know just so so those are obviously some of the, the the facts that we've been able to find from uh you know what just happened in maui with the fire um I don't know that you can always take something away from, from one of these situations. And what we just highlighted right there is something that I'm hoping is a takeaway by either the officials or the people living out there um, to, to maybe prevent this in the future. But everyone should learn from what just happened again. Yeah. The, the sirens should be tested all the time. It's funny. I, I don't know. I haven't been in downtown Southbury, um, which is a local town that I grew up here in a minute at noon. But at noon, we always would get the siren. The siren would, hmm. they would still test that siren every single day at noon. Um, I have to find out. I will find out if they still do that. But I mean, that should be something that gets checked. The fire suppression system. And then the potential of making some kind of contingency with the ocean <laughs> surrounding the island. I mean, water is there. It doesn't need to be piped through because you are right. There is salt water. There is corrosion for all that. Obviously, that plays a big factor of it. But to dump a giant bucket in with a helicopter and drop that water, you're not, you're not doing anything but putting out the fire. Um, right. But so, so that's, again, so those are some of those situations, you know, and, and I think as we, as we kind of get to what this episode is all about is, you know, you, you can be ready and you can prepare, 
but what is the situation that you're most likely to deal with in your area? If you're living in Florida, it's it you, you got hurricanes to deal with. The majority of those situations that you're going to deal with in Florida, short of monster hurricanes, Cat 5s coming through, are power outages, no gas, um, you know, and that's that's going to be your your main thing that yeah. I, that I saw. I lived in South Florida for eight years and never did I experience any kind of major hurricane. Um, but I have family that lived there and they were there for when Andrew was there. Um, and that place got rocked. And yeah, I mean, growing up in where I grew up in North Carolina, um, the the two major ones i mean we we had many over the course of of from when i was age uh, 0 to 18 um but the two big ones were uh, hurricane hugo in hugo, yeah. 1990 and then hurricane fran uh I believe in 1995 or 1996 hurricane oh, wow. fran being the the bigger most uh, devastating one yeah and andrew was 92 yeah um that hit that was i'm from north carolina andrew mainly uh devastated south carolina um oh okay but, um but yeah that you know the, like those yeah. hurricanes like they hit they can oh man watching those things i mean i remember watching them i remember watching that they had the path of the hurricane and you sat there and you're like okay is it going to go away what's going to happen um and and we never experienced it and you know i can't say that i was that kind of individual or, th or this kind of individual back then i wasn't really overly concerned and like i said um when hurricanes were talked about in South Florida, they were coming. It literally used to be a hurricane party. The the out, the liquor stores would be sold out. Um, people would go get their gas, and they would put you know all of the houses down there. They they are prepared with hurricane shutters, um, and that was a huge thing down there. Where basically yep. you know all of the windows on the outside they have those you know those um, brackets or whatever, and you slide the boards in or you slide the metal if they're metal ones or wood ones but they go in you crank down the 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 latch and boom the the house is prepared for a hurricane um some of them have their automatic where it's just like you know they it it just slides over all the, the like the front of the house and it's these mm -hmm. big metal shutters and that's great to prepare for for that kind of that kind of damage and then sure there's generators and you know the whole the all of that that goes along with it um you know, bath water, fill up your, fill up your tubs, whatever, if you're going to lose water. Um, but you need to understand where you live, what you're going to expect. We don't really have to worry about hurricanes up here in Connecticut or in the new, in the Northeast. We do have to worry about the cold that you, you spoke of earlier. Um, yeah. Do I need to be prepared for that and ready in June? Not really, but you know, we have preparations in place. Um, you know, living in Oklahoma, I mean, I think we just had a bunch of, uh, where we had a, a tornado that came through there and, yep. the, and the members of Oklahoma like deleted a town from the map. Yeah. So basically there, there's, I mean, sure there's, there's shelters, right? I mean, there's underground shelters, situations like that, but you're not really, you know, well, I don't know. I, I don't know how you really prepare for the, for the tornado type situation. You can't combat that. Like you're not, you're not 
you're not doing the old, uh, who's the guy? Um, Hudson from Aliens, the guy who passed away that was in the movie Twister. You're not strapping yourself oh, yeah. to a, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill. Uh, Bill something. But I, I'll never forget that in Twister when he strapped himself with his belt to that pipe in the ground and yeah. laid there in the middle of it. I'm like, no, you're not doing that. Yeah, uh, but like here here's the thing though is like you don't have to uh, you don't have to live in Oklahoma for that to to be an issue. You could live you could be like me. You could live in North Carolina and be driving to California and be passing through Oklahoma and oh no, now there's a tornado that I was not very, prepared for. Very, so now now what must I do? Very uh, good point. Very good point. So like to, you know We've already, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't expect, the, you know, the government or civil services or what or whatever to help you all the time. Or maybe, I don't know. I kind of have the attitude that I I shouldn't expect that at all ever, uh, regardless of the situation. You're, but you're not wrong. Uh, yeah. So like, but you know, talking about general rules of thumb and um, and and pieces of advice, you know, like in the tactical realm we always say like don't run to your death you know like um when a when a gunfight starts or when an emergency situation starts you you need to react quickly right uh, whether it's literally or figuratively you need to return fire uh very quickly right. uh, so you need to be quick in your reaction but then you need to kind of slow down um in your decision making and, and act deliberately and um like i, I was great point it reminds me, and, and especially when you tie in the Maui fire, Phil Paxton. There it is. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you tie in the fire in Maui, it reminded me of um, when I was in Afghanistan, we would uh, we'd catch these scorpions. And I, anybody that dives with me knows I'm terrible at, at identifying wildlife, but um, everybody called it a death stalker scorpion. I don't know if that was some cool name that some Marine thought of okay. uh, or if that's a real thing. <laughs> but um, we would catch these um, scorpions. And uh, for whatever reason, like in Afghanistan, like we had a we had a abundance of the weirdest things, like not like we had for some reason we had metric shit tons of the little bags of famous Amos cookies. I don't know why, but we had famous Amos chocolate chip cookies so coming good. out of our but we had those things by the truckload. Uh, but but we also had copious amounts of the little bottles of hand sanitizer. Ah. Um, and uh, this was, you know, way way before COVID days this is like back in 09. Anyway, we'd catch these uh, scorpions and, um, you know, every, like all of our stuff over there is like made out of plywood, like the little buildings we lived in, sure. everything was just made out of plywood. And so like our little, our tables and chairs, everything were made, just made out of plywood. Um, but you could squirt, you could squirt a circle of hand sanitizer on the table, drop the scorpion in the middle of the circle and then set the hand sanitizer on fire. And uh, anybody that's, uh, you know, even a mild pyromaniac like myself, um, <laughs> if you set hand sanitizer on fire, it only burns for Quick 10 burn. or 15 seconds. Sure. Like, you know, um, but the scorpion, back to my point, the scorpion would try to go this way and then try to go that way and then turn around and try to go this way. And once he saw that he was completely surrounded by fire, he would sting himself in the back of the head and kill himself. Wow, and so this was uh, this was a source of amusement for people like me that had nothing to do. Um, but this just went, yeah. this just uh, went sideways, folks. But, all right. I, it's, but okay. <laughs> it's okay. 
the takeaway there though and and where it kind of relates like in real life to this situation is like if that scorpion just waited five more seconds everything would have been fine but his perception from you know whatever how big a scorpion's brain is or whatever um he rushed to make a decision saw that he was surrounded by flames on all side and and decided uh that was you know he he that was the end is either burned to death or take himself out and but instead of you know calming down and waiting five okay. more seconds to, to make a decision and seeing you know seeing what happens and whatever um I, one, one of the other things kind of like the the two women in the swimming pool one of the videos i saw was um it was two men it was a, i believe uh, in the video it said it was a father and son and again it was like a, an adult father and an adult son so like you know a, a father like maybe in his 50s and the son in his 20s or 30s they're riding in a car um evacuating and like everything was on fire around them and they came across you could see a woman uh laying face down in the road um you know not moving you know presumably dead right and uh no no obvious signs of life and um the father wanted to stop and try to help the woman which is admirable and the son was like, there's nothing we can do for her. There's nothing we can do for her. There's nothing we can do for her. We have to go. We have to go. And that that raised that. It made me think about the scorpion. And it, it also made me think about like the um, the TCCC training that I've had in the military, the tactical uh, uh, tactical combat casualty care, TCCC. Yep. Um, and, you know, when you take a if you take an American Red Cross or um, American Heart Saver or whatever, or, or you know, an EMT course um, for years and years and years, everybody has been taught ABCs, airway, breathing, and circulation. So when you come across a person, check their airway, check their breathing, check their circulation, you know. Um, but in TCCC, they call it SCAB. So it's situation, circulation, airway, breathing. Um, because in a situation like when you're in combat or when you're in a situation where you're driving down a road and the entire world around you is on fire, um, the situation is going to kill you first. Right. Uh, you know, and so yeah. that's why we, we talk about, you know, again, in, in the tactical world, we talk about uh, one of the sayings that we have is dead bodies attract dead bodies because uh, your buddy over there gets shot. You haven't dealt with the threat yet, but you run out to save him. And now there's two dead bodies. Right. And then, you know, a third person wants to run out to save both of you. And now there's three. Um, so you have to deal with the situation first. So actually like, kudos to those guys for like not stopping to try to help that woman like if, if there's no obvious signs of help and or uh, obvious signs of life and when i say obvious signs of life unless she's flagging you down and asking for help or waving her arms or something like you got to deal with the situation first right like, yeah no that uh, makes sense that makes sense and so you know they they did good like um deal with the situation first um and then the other thing I, I guess kind of the, the the last thing I had prepared um, is kind of going back to that, uh, you know, what if something happens in the middle of the night? And if you're like me and you don't have a landline phone, I, I don't think I'm alone on that. I think that's that's fairly common these days. Oh, I think so. Um, if there's an emergency like this or, or any other, you know, thousand things we could think of. If you're the one that's incapacitated or whatever, do your kids know are your kids ready have your kids been trained do they know how to access your phone to call for help or you know um so that was the other thing i wanted to, to put in a plug for and like the going back to what we talked about way at the beginning the difference of being ready and being prepared 
you know, especially where your kids are concerned and it will probably help you too. You can run drills on your kids. Like, does your kid know how to, to access Freezing. your phone to call for help, to call 911? Right. Maybe they do, but do they know what to say once they have, have right. actually gotten in touch with 911? That's, yeah. that's the other that's half a- of that. And that is something you can drill to. And that is something you can train to. Yes. And just for, just for anybody who is taking things literally, please do not drill your kids with a, with any kind of power tools just well we, and we, we want to make disclaimers at all yeah. times <laughs> also but, and also yes i was gonna say all, like um if one of my friends called 911 to ask them if it was okay if his kid dialed 911 to practice and like um, no, wait stop back that up what <laughs> so one of my friends wanted to teach his daughter how to dial 911 so he dialed 911 and got a 911 operator on the phone and said, hey, is it cool if I hang this phone up and then my kid dials 911 right behind me and then practices telling you our address and, and, the, and yeah, he got a visit from the, uh, from the local popo. And uh, I think they threatened him with a ticket, but they didn't actually like uh, give him a citation or anything. But anyway, also don't. Don't do that. That's Don't do that. Right. Upon. Now, yeah. I, I, what what I will say is, I mean, good thought process, poor execution. I mean, I, I hope that everybody knows that your local police department does have a local number. You, you don't need to call 911 if you lock your keys out of your car. There, you know, there's a local number. Again, yeah. you, you can probably coordinate that. And I am sure, well, I'm not going to say I'm sure, I am relatively sure that you can probably coordinate something like that with your local police department should you want to train your child how to make a a 911 call should they need to. Um, But, you know, going back to that, that story with the, you know, with the scorpion and the, and the hand sanitizer. um, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. Um, and you, you bring up a very, very good point. You know, there it, it became a point of desperation for the scorpion because there there didn't seem to be a way out of it. And um, and the scorpion gave up. Um, yep. And that is a that is the Aesop fable here. If anybody is going to come at me for that, but Aesop's fables were something. But it, that that is the takeaway. From this, you know, if you find yourself in a situation like this, you know, you you can't give up. Whether it's this survival situation, whether it's a stranded survival situation, whether it's any one of the the hundreds of situations that we have talked about and referenced on this show up until now, the key takeaway is, and you know, I'm gonna, it's been talked, but you're never out of the fight. Um, you don't give up, you don't quit. Um, and you just, like you said, wait a minute, take a second, assess the situation and then kind of look at it from a different kind of a different perspective, but stay calm. You know, that's one thing I've always, I, that, I, you know, I even said to you, I mean, you know, staying calm in a situation like this. And, and I think we even did a show about that, you know, remaining calm in a, in a potentially hazardous situation, I think is, is probably one of the most important things you can be ready to execute is your calm nature. Yeah. And 
you know, and and again, like if nothing else, this is this is just yet another push for personal preparation and personal readiness. Uh, you know, um, ready yourself by becoming proficient in basic life saving skills, basic skills that can save your own life, like being able to swim. Um, you know, having just not even doesn't have to be detailed because like you said the plan's probably going to go out the window anyway but um just a basic if this happens am i going to go north south east or west like what what's my what should be my primary evacuation route and what should be my secondary and that doesn't even have to be wildfire you can i do that every time i go into a restaurant right if something happens i'm going that way unless that's where the threat is and then i'm going to go that way like right. uh, so it's you know there's there's all these things that um you know, th this thing, this this fire in Maui happened fast and power was out and maybe people were too reliant on their electronic devices and maybe people didn't have a, you know, any contingency plan or backup. And um, but, you know, I I. No disrespect to anybody, but I, I just tend to think again, I haven't seen this written anywhere, but it's easy for me to picture that, um, you know, a lot of lives could have been saved if more people were prepared to save themselves. I, and that's a great point. And I was going to follow it up, but I think that's exactly where we need to, we need to end it on that. That I want you to, I want you to reiterate that one more time for the people, uh, because that right there is something, if this was that high school class, this is where you should write this down. Yeah. If, more lives could have been saved if more people were prepared to save themselves. That's it. So can you get out there and take natural disaster preparation training? Uh, uh, probably. I mean, there, there, there probably is a group out there doing it, but it's just, it, it's just reading and, and gathering information and just having that kind of mindset. I, you know, well, it's the it's the OODA loop. And, um, sure. you know, not not to sound like a, a tactitard that that ties everything back to to guns and shooting and everything. But like OODA is observe, orient, decide, act. There's no part of that that mentions a gun like that. So you can apply the OODA loop to everything. You can apply the OODA loop to your preparation. That's what I did today. Right. I made an observation, I oriented, I decided that I was deficient and I acted and I got, now I have this radio that I'm going to install in my bedroom. And now I have, now I have a layered defense, if you want to call it that. Now, now I have a, a an additional layer to my decision-making and, and maybe I've added a few minutes to my response time or sorry, subtracted a few minutes from Subtract, whatever. Yes. Yeah. I've made my response time better. better. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, so it, you know, Use the OODA loop. That's not only for tacticalness, you know, right. like you. Yeah. So. And I know it's talked about all the time. And, and, it, and again, that, that is, that is two great points to wrap today's show up with. So uh, if you are listening to this or if you've, if you've just got done listening to this um, and you want more information on how you can help, um, with people in Maui, I know that there are some websites out there and I know there's probably some information as far as donating stuff. There's a bunch of people out there that are asking that, that I've seen on forums asking about that. Um, take away what you want from this episode, but 
if there's anything I can suggest, those last two points that you just made, Jamie, are probably the most important pieces from this. Um, get out there, practice, be prepared, be ready, um, but don't think that you're going to fight a forest fire by yourself. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's all I have for, for today. Um, episodes like this that come up out of the kind of not so much the blue, but, you know, they're based off of current events. Um, I like them. Uh, you yep. know, we did, we did the one with the, the plane crash and, and we yep. try and make them relatable to what this show is all about. Uh, and you know, while it's fun to do ones like we have coming up, um, no spoilers, but, uh, these are also are, are, are exciting to me. Um, you learn a lot, you know, um, there was some things I did not know about, uh, the situation that, whether you whether you want to hear them or not, they're they're important to hear, um, and it makes you really question. Well, no, it makes you really, I guess, solidify the stance of you are your own first responder, and no one's coming to save you. So yeah, that, I mean that's that really and truly that really really is my hope for all these podcast episodes is like you know, I'm not here to give you all the answers. I hope at the end of all these episodes, you have a list of five things that you need to go look up. That, yep. That's, you know, I agree. And just one final thing, and we'll end and we'll wrap it up with this. You know, after last week's episode, you re you sent me a text and you're like, you know, how do you think that went? And, you know, and, and I, I gave you my, my thought on it. Um, and we always ask for feedback on these episodes, whether it's on the, the Facebook pages, when we put it out on the Zert pages, um, whether it's the, the, the question or comment section on the podcast app that you're listening to, whether it's Spotify or Apple, um, or just reaching out to me or to you. Um, and I have, uh, I, I sent you a screenshot of a, ran, a, a text message that came by, I think by Instagram. I don't know, or maybe it was on WhatsApp. Uh, but it is uh, my friend Tatiana who listens to us from Belarus. And I have known her for a while now, almost a decade uh, since I started working in the firearms industry. And she had just great things to say about last week's episode in general. Um, and some of the points that you brought up, I shared that with you. So um, thank you for listening across the pond. Thank you for listening here and providing any kind of feedback that you can. Until next time, you guys stay safe out there. You're your own first responder, and remember, it's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. Talk to you later, guys.